This is what the Bible says. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. And that is what is called good news. The New Testament says that because Jesus died and because Jesus rose again and because of that good news, that that changes everything. The New Testament says that that has cosmic significance for each of you personally that surpasses anything you can imagine because Jesus died and Jesus rose again. To which I simply step back and say, how come? It's fascinating that the Gospels never actually say what Jesus' death on the cross does for you. It hints at it here and there, but never does Jesus come outright and say, because I died and because I rose again, X, Y, and Z happens for you. And what I'm curious in this morning, and what we're going to be looking at these next four weeks, is the so what question. So Jesus died, so what? Jesus rose again, so what? I'm not trying to denigrate what he did. I mean, it's pretty cool. If someone dies and rises again, that, that, that actually kind of captures my attention. But what does that have to do with me? And what we're going to be talking about is what Jesus' death and what Jesus' resurrection does for each and every one of you sitting here this morning. Now, you have racked up a debt. Whether you know it or not, you have racked up a debt that you can never repay. Now, what I'd like to do is just try to frame the size of this debt that you've accumulated, okay? Now, right now here in our country, the national debt, the U.S. debt, comes in at about $16 trillion. It's accumulating, because of interest, at about $20,000 a second. So to put that in perspective, let me simply do this. Ready? Here, here's how our debt is growing. $20,000, $20,000, $20,000. We have just hit $100,000 more in debt. Now, estimating the U.S. population at somewhere around 314 million people, that means that every single one of you, every single one of your children, no matter if they're two days old, has racked up about $50,900 in debt. So you got a family of five, take $51,000, times it by five, and that is the debt to your household that you currently owe because of our national debt. Now, if you want to restrict it to just taxpayers, take kids, take those who aren't working out, what that comes to each of you who are making an income or paying a tax is about $140,000 ahead. Imagine getting that IRS letter in the mail. You open it up. You owe $140,000, right? Oh. Now, it's really easy to bash the government. And it's really easy to get self-righteous and start decrying it. But I want to read you this passage from Romans chapter 2 and just let Paul's words sift with you for a minute. He writes this, You therefore, 
You who pass judgment on someone else, you have no excuse. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now let me frame it. Personal debt. Personal debt currently held in the United States. I'm not talking national debt. I'm talking the accumulated debt value of every person and every household guess, comes in at guess what? $15.75 trillion. Isn't that ironic how close it is to our national debt? About 13 trillion of that is held in mortgages, in home equity loans. Mind you, none of this includes business debt, which brings the debt ceiling in our country up to $53 trillion when you factor that in. So let's just keep it close to home so we have manageable numbers here, right? $13 trillion held in mortgages and home equity loans. Just shy of a billion dollars in student loans in our country today. Worse, just shy of a billion dollars in personal credit card debt. Add to that boats, luxury items, cars, and all the rest, and you start to see where it builds. Did I say a billion dollars? I meant just shy of a trillion dollars in credit card debt, in student loans. So before we, we start attacking one, I think what Paul encourages to do is to ask ourselves, how much do I pay on my nice big house? What are my card payments? How many trips to the Olive Garden on the MasterCard am I still paying off? And maybe the fingers should go from out there and turn around to start pointing at me. And what the Bible says is that each of us hold a debt that far exceeds anything that I just shared with you here today. Now, turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 18. You'll find Bibles under your chairs if you didn't bring one. And it's this fascinating passage where Jesus starts to paint a picture of what this debt looks like that we have before God. Now, if you're at Matthew chapter 18, please turn with me to verse 21. And what we get is we get this occurrence where, where Peter, you might know him as Cephas, he comes to Jesus and he asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And Peter, feeling just like uber generous this morning, goes, Jesus, like seven times? You ever play this one, like with your parents or with your teacher? It's like you think they're going to like want two or three, so you like up the ante to like five or six, and you're like, I'm going to blow them away. And what does Jesus turn around and do? You gotta be kidding me. Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And then he starts to paint a picture. He starts to paint a picture about our relationship to God and the debt that we owe to God. And he says this, I tell you, not 70, but 77. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. Now, who do you think the king is here? 
Who do you think is the king? Are we the king? God's the king. So who do you think are the servants? You and me. You got it. As he, begins the, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. But the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Just remember that line, will you please? I will pay back everything. But look at what happens. It says that the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now what I'd like to do today is just start to frame the actual amount of what this debt is that the servant owes his master. Now it says in your Bible that it was 10,000 talents, correct? And if you look, there's probably a footnote there, especially if you're using an NIV translation. And if you look down at the bottom, and, and it says something probably like this equates to millions of dollars or something like that. Do you have something like that here this morning? Okay, just like rip that out because that is the lamest footnote ever put into the scriptures that we know. It doesn't even come close. Now there's two ways that we can go about calculating this. In the ancient world, a talent was actually a unit of weight. And what you would do is you would pay in a weight of silver or in a weight of gold based on what you were going to buy. And this was called a talent. Um, it's about 75 pounds in the Old Testament world. Now, the price of gold at 1024 a.m. on Friday, September 7th, was $1,733.50. All right? I remember coming out of college and gold hitting $363 an ounce. Do you have these moments of going, why didn't I buy? $17.33.50 an ounce. Now if you start doing the math, there's 16 ounces to a pound. Times that by $75, or by 75 pounds to hit a talent, but how many talents does it say? 10,000 talents. And the magic number is, you owe $20,802,000,000. Imagine getting the IRS statement in the mail. You owe $20,802,000,000. But it gets even worse. Because by the time of Jesus, the talent began moving off a weight measurement to more of a currency market as we think about it today. Now, one talent equaled 6,000 Roman denarii. The denarii was considered the average day's wage for your ordinary, if I can use the term, middle-class worker out in the field. What would you pay? You would pay one denarii. One talent equals 6,000 denarii. One talent equals 6,000 days of work. Times that by 10,000 talents, and suddenly you have 60 million days of work. The debt 
that this servant owed his master, Jesus equates to 60 million days of work. To help you wrap your mind around that, you would have to work for the next 164,384 years. 229,000 if you subtract weekends. The debt that you have incurred, the debt that you have before God, Jesus equates to this. And what does the servant say? Just give me time. I'll pay it off. Are you kidding me? What kind of super drugs fountain you do you know about? Imagine working in your job, because I know you love it so much, for the next 164,000 years. And this doesn't even begin to come close to the debt that you and I have incurred before God. We have racked up a debt, each and every one of us in this room, a debt that we can never repay. Except instead of money, the debt we owe is our life. Better put, our eternity. See, all of this is predicated on this idea of when God formed the world back in the beginning. And, and, and he comes to Adam, and he comes to Eve, and he says, all this is yours. But understand that the price of disobedience, the price of rebellion, the wage for going your own way will be something you can never repay. It will be your very life itself. It's kind of like those MasterCard commercials in my mind. You remember these? They were on a couple of years ago. You got the father and the son there in the ballpark, and it's like two tickets to the big game, $63. One bag of peanuts, $14, because that's what they call you know? You know, two hot dogs for you and your child, $53, and it kind of keeps going like this, right? But then, you know, after racking up this like $400 thing, going, you've got to be kidding me. I can only do it on MasterCard. They go, Precious moments with your child, priceless. I can almost see it in heaven kind of being like this. The inclination of greed in your heart, 63 years. That lie you told three days ago, seven years. That self-centered motivation you carry around that peeked its head out on June the 3rd in 17 different ways, 1,243 years. Some total of your life's debt, eternity. See, what the New Testament says is this. The wages of sin is death. Each and every one of us here have earned something. We've earned something before God. We've earned death. We deserve it. We worked for it. We've got payment coming. And we can demand it if we don't think it comes soon enough. The wages of sin is death, and none of us here can pay that price. 
Death of the body will come, but death so much bigger, so much more total, so much grander than that, death of the soul. Separation from God for eternity. But this is what Jesus does. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. This is what Jesus does. And please, I want you to follow along with me. The servant cried out, Give me time, I'll pay it off. Paul comments on this idea, and he says in 4 verse 2, If in fact Abraham, one who is considered righteous before God, was justified by working it off, by paying for off, by buying it, by, by achieving it by his own righteousness. If in fact Abraham was justified by this, by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. He believed the promise of God. He believed the character and the nature of God. And it says, it was credited to him, as righteousness. Now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. To put this in economic terms, it would mean something like this. To those who've incurred a debt, those who seek to pay it off by their own effort, by their own energy, by their own work, by their own accumulation of wealth, well, be my guest. Go for it. But to the one instead who trusts God to debit their account, to cover the deficit in full, the debt is simply paid. All the same. And that is what Jesus does for you. He pays your debt to God. Jesus died and Jesus rose again. And when he did, a death debt was paid. A blood debt was paid. A life was given that is far more valuable than your life or mine. Far more grander than your life or mine. Far more significant than your life or mine. And Jesus takes that death. And he says, I count it towards you. I credit it on your account. The bill, the debt, has been paid in full. That's what Jesus does for you. Not only that, it gets better. Because that debt that Jesus paid on the cross for you, it's like Jesus also set up a trust fund in your name. And so that any debt that you incur from this point forward in the rest of your life, that trust fund of his blood continues to pay that debt for you. Never to have a red mark against it. Negative signs are no more. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've incurred, no matter how much you've racked up, no matter how dug deep you've dug yourself in. Jesus says, I've paid the debt for you. The master took pity on his servant. He took pity on you. He looked down and he said, there's no way you can ever pay 
So I'll tell you what. I'll take care of that debt for you. And you know what I want to tell you this morning? It's not just for those of you sitting here who think you're all that and more. It's not for those of you sitting here this morning going, yeah, I'd die for me. No, it's for the worst of you sitting in this room. There's a passage I'd like you to memorize. It comes from Romans chapter 5, and it says this, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we made effort to pay it off. Not when we showed that we, we had a good faith agreement and we were working towards it. No, while we were at our worst, sinners and defiled and broken and bankrupt. Christ paid it for you. You know, I think you can look at this passage and actually do this. Take out us and put in me. God demonstrates his own love for me in this. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Or maybe better, while I am still a sinner, Christ died for me. I want to invite you this morning. Would you do this with me? Would you substitute the me for us? The I for we. Would you just read it together with me that way here today? But as you read it, make it something a little bit deeper than just saying the words. Really consider what you're saying. What you might dare to be owning. The significance of what it has as it leaves your lips. Could you say that with me? Let's do it. God demonstrates his own love for me in this. While I am still a sinner, Christ died for me. What Romans 4 says is that the man who works, whatever he works for, he gets. But to the man who trusts God, who justifies the wicked, who simply says, Lord, pay the debt, pay it all, Christ says, I reckon my blood, I reckon my life, I reckon my debt price for you, paid in full. Because of me. The band is going to come forward in, in, in just a second here. And uh, as they come forward, what I'd like you to do today is come to grips with this. Well, what I want to invite you to do is if you're sitting here today and you have been trying to earn God's pleasure, or if you've been sitting here today trying to pay off past regrets, past sins, past failures. If you're here today and you've been kind of in this place with God going, maybe God will love me again if only I. Maybe God can use me again if only I get the book straight with him. Maybe the cosmic balance will be set again if only my good starts to outweigh the bad. I invite you simply here today to turn to the one who paid your debt 
and to accept it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to rise. So please rise. And I'm going to pray. And I invite you that as I pray to take those own prayers of your own heart and weave them in to God to offer them up to Him. And as we do, there's going to be a refrain. Do you see this line? God demonstrates His own love for me. While I am still a sinner, Christ dies for me. Every time I prompt you, I'd like you to say it out loud. I'd like you to say it together. I'd like you to own it here today. And put your faith in the one who can pay the debt. Let's pray. Lord God, we gather here. We gather here people so deeply in debt before you. It's crippling and it's crushing. And God, if you were to sell us and our families and our homes and our lives and our children, it still wouldn't come close to covering the cost. But God, this is what your word says. God demonstrates his own love for me in this. While I am still a sinner, Christ died for me. God, some of us come here today with deep and abiding regret. With hearts that feel crushed and stomped on and smashed in the dirt. We're aware, God, we see it, we feel it, and we carry this, this, this burden every day. But you paid it all. Because your word says this, God demonstrates his own love for me in this. While I am still a sinner, Christ died for me. Some God come here today in patterns of life where as soon as we feel free, we, we just open the debt again. It's a cycle that we feel we can't break and it owns us and it controls us and we feel like slaves before it. And we find ourselves in this perpetual cycle, God, of accumulating more and more and more grievance against you and against those we love. But God, your word says this, God demonstrates his own love for me in this. While I am still a sinner, Christ died for me. And God, some of us come here today still thinking that we can pay our own debt. God, trying to buy you off, pay you off, prove ourselves before you, deluding ourselves into thinking it's within our scope. God, it's beyond possibility. May we come face to face with that here today. May we come face to face with the crippling reality of our debt, but know that you have paid it all because what your word says is this. God demonstrates his own love for me in this. While I am still a sinner, Christ died for me. So may we never be apathetic, God. May we never hide from our sin. May we never seek to bury it or, or, or dig it deep down. May we own it and accept it and confess it to you and claim your promise here and for all time that 
As your word says, God demonstrates his love for me in this. While I am still a sinner, Christ dies for me. So hear our prayer. Hear our cry. Take our hearts. Take our lives. Jesus, you paid it all.